Schinken gegen Wurst, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is German for ham versus sausage. Whoa, uh, which... the ultimate question. Yeah, and I guess it's a joke that really only makes sense in English uh, from from the race. Um, anyway, I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? Ham versus sausage. I am trying to. I'm trying to make the choice for all of us here today. Um, it's the morning. I'm gonna go sausage. Mm, okay. Uh, also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Uh, doing well. Pretty much always gonna go sausage. Like I feel like ham Whoa. is ham, but like sausage is an entire galaxy of experiences. <laughs> Uh, if you nerd, if you're if you're uh, new to this podcast, uh, a very warm welcome to you. And if you're new to Formula One itself, we have an episode just for you. Our preseason primer uh, episode assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is, what everyone's favorite meat product is. Uh, this year's <laughs> primer is episode 137. Also, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at Patreon.com/shiftf1 where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons, uh, covering racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What's been going on this month, Danny? Yeah, we had the uh, Austrian, or sorry, yes, the Austrian, not the Styrian, the Austrian Grand Prix track walk last week. And of course, we also put up our patron exclusive podcast for the month, which was uh, Le Mans 1955. And what was the subtitle on that again? Do you remember? Deadly Competition. Deadly Competition, that was it, Uh, which is a... Uh, free to watch on YouTube. Big fan of that. Um, document like animation. It's about fifteen minutes long about the uh, the infamous, let's say, events of the nineteen fifty five Le Mans crash. And uh, we talked sort of about the film itself, but also the I guess the the legacy that the incident itself left on motorsport uh, F one and and beyond. Um, this month we are going to be tackling, I believe, it's it's not a primer, but we're going to be doing a W series special episode, which will cover the uh, first two races in the Austrian uh, in the Austrian Alps, uh, the Austrian W series, and did they also call it the Styrian W series? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Round one sure. and two. Yeah. It was hard enough to find those races. Uh, anyway, uh, of course, you should, of course, follow us on Twitter because then you can get great texts from or texts, great tweets from Drew and uh, giving you all the updates on how to actually get access to those races. Um, but of course, I want to give a massive thanks to all of our patron. Uh, 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 what are we calling these again? I've, I've, I, I got scuffled because I, I quickly needed to look what BPM was referencing this week. That was why, <laughs> why I was running away at the start of the podcast. Our title, title sponsors. sponsors. There we go. Yeah. Jason Kelly, Will Rompf, Uberto Roca, Troy Stammer, Stammer, Circuit Demon, Reagan, Sam G, Connor McManners, Joe Roberts, Abraham Getchell. Love that. Jason Chadwick, always fun to think about heavy rain. Abdullah Althani, <laughs> Bailey Foot, Jack Ben, Greg Salt, BPM, who have gone with, it's pretty good, bonkers penalties from Massey. <laughs> A sign of things to come. Uh, Drew Stewart, of course, our good friend Lika, <laughs> Simon Villeneuve, and good old, good old Og, who just uh, signed up a couple of days ago. Thank you all so much for your support. Uh, Still trying to figure out how to open that bottle of wine, Circuit Demon. We're 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 it's we're we're putting in the work. Let's say that it's going to be a momentous occasion 
uh, over here. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, shall we just jump right in to the second of the Austrian races here, well, fellas? The first Austrian race, true. Thank oh, you. It's my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> uh second one at the red bull ring um and speaking of red bull a dominant pole position not actually no a non-dominant pole position for max verstappen in his red bull because five one hundredth of of a second behind lando norris Whoa. in his mclaren mercedes then the other red bull sergio perez starting third and then we get to the mercedeses lewis hamilton in fourth and valtteri botas in fifth this just seems to be on pure pace wild as uh, well what was your guys reaction yeah i mean uh, hamilton went off and used a simulator in between the races like he was taking Whoa. this seriously he never uses simulators um and it looked like they had the pace in practice that was or you know you can never tell on quali laps you can never tell over race pace either but they were in and amongst it for uh certainly the first practice session i believe the second one too um, which is sort of more indicative generally of qualify, qualifying pace the second one um so it was a i was a bit shocked and also lando's pace like what are they doing to that car because that's like as i i thought a lot of the good points the consistent points as well that he's been getting um might drop off as we continue into the season and teams that are a little bit better at sort of getting their shit together a couple of races in might start to overtake them and generally that's mercedes but we're seeing the opposite we're seeing them like topple down it was definitely an objectively worse quality and practice i guess um than they had the previous week yeah um it's it's this is a brand new paradigm for for me having only really watched in the mercedes era um to see them being truly challenged here uh so that's that's it's been really interesting to watch so far and it it bodes well for the rest of the season i would say but uh to round out the rest of the grid here pierre gasly will start sixth followed by yuki Tsunoda and george russell in eighth uh, beating both Ferraris to get into Q3 on the medium tire. Uh, it's his first time in Q3 as a Williams driver. Um, he actually qualified in ninth, but moved up uh, with a penalty that we'll get to for another driver. Um, behind him will be Lance Stroll and Carlos Sainz in ninth and 10th. And then Sebastian Vettel, who got a three-place grid penalty for blocking uh, Fernando Alonso in Q2. A lot of blocking. Uh, sure. Man, it's just a, it's a short lap. A lot of people were angry in qualifying. Alonso got blocked by Vettel. Uh, there was a huge train multiple times of people trying to. It's just there's not much space on this circuit. It's not very long. Yeah, a lot of people complaining in practice too that uh, there's a people all over the track not paying attention. Um, Charles Leclerc is in twelfth. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, uh, a far cry from his McLaren teammate, kind of seems par for the course so far this year. Um, in 13th Fernando Alonso is in 14th he pr- he definitely would have gotten higher if he had not been blocked uh, as he was pro- improving on his time uh, to that point uh, Giovinazzi starts 15th followed by Raikkonen uh, Ocon who gets his same qualifying result as last week just not running well in Austria um, Nicholas Otifi in 18th Mick Schumacher in 19th and Nikita Mazepin bringing up the rear do you want to take us through the start here, Danny? Sure. Um, they're all pretty used to this track at this stage. It's also pretty wide through our first turn. So uh, unlike 
well, I guess there's been a lot of F uh, Formula Three races to watch this weekend too, and boy, was there some was there some jiggery pokery and some knocking around going on in that one. But uh, yeah, and sorry, just before we start, a, a friend of mine asked me like the there is the second race here, so everyone's got it all dialed in, right? And I think to some degree, yes, but like you've all all the teams have been here before many many years uh, in the past, and so they have a lot of data on it. I think one week might give you a some sense of what the temperatures are going to be and what the track surface is, but really you can't, I don't think you can really depend on it being so, so similar. Plus we have different tires this week. Yeah. Um, so okay. there, you have some advantage of being there last week, but uh, it's not, it's not a given certainly. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not a race driver, so I couldn't tell, but I suspect as well that you're sort of, you're, your ai your your track intelligence on this whole place is probably higher after having spent you know 90 minutes at race pace driving around you know what i mean like mm-hmm. they probably have a better idea or maybe they have with this car yeah and they've just been thinking about it for longer you know they're not on to the next race and dumping all that information they've just learned um but as it was for whatever reason um we all get around safely around the first turn everyone's basically still in the same order at least in the top you know six or seven um, the only major incident comes at the end or of the start. Sorry, at the end of the straight between turns two and three, where Esteban Ocon, who has just had a wretched time in Austria altogether, um, sort of puts the the exclamation point on the whole thing by getting sandwiched between Antonio Giovinazzi and uh, Nikita Mazepin. His front. I think right, it's Schumacher. Is it yeah. Schumacher? Yeah, it was the back of the pack. Okay, that's interesting. They always, yeah, they they they're. Um their t their camera t bars uh, always mix me up because I just assume that Schumacher has uh, the black one. Yeah, he should be the better driver, but it's not because okay. Mazepin's dad owns the team, so he's the num- he's the number one. Right. Uh, well, he ends up uh, uh, losing his front right. Pretty innocuous tap, not all that strong, but his uh, suspension it just hit it at the right angle, I guess, and um, his suspension on his front right breaks. He pulls off to the side, but it's in a bit of a wretched spot. Um, leading off that second DRS zone, so they immediately uh, pull up a safety car. Yes, um, you're right. It it was just such a bummer to have what looked like an innocu- innocuous tap take him out completely. But yeah, he <laughs> his whole his two weeks here uh, have not really yielded uh, a lot of right results. right after he signed his contract too. <laughs> Oh, is that right? Yeah, he signed it. Is it two years, Rob? I think. Yeah, yeah. I think so. so, the, the yeah. curse, the EA cover artist <laughs> <laughs> curse. Um, yeah. So we were, we're behind the safety car for a little bit, and then we get a restart on lap four. Um, I've got some notes on this, Danny. Or if you want to take it, yeah, I'm happy to take it. Verstappen did a great job okay. on this because Lando was right up his bum the whole time, just waiting, 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 waiting. Uh, he uh, Verstappen waited until. Uh, pretty much about as far as he could go, like on the start finish straight, he he bolted, um, and it caused a lot of problems for Lando. It sort of set up what the next couple of laps were going to be like because himself and Sergio Perez had a big battle into turn one. Perez got past. You could argue maybe he could have ha- should have handed the place back. Uh, maybe he did. Maybe he eased off a little bit. But as we're turning into turn three, uh, Lando's ahead of him, and suddenly Perez finds himself under threat from the two Mercedes, who in sort of Hamilton trying to dive up the inside, Bottas gets past him. So that's sort of the only major change. Um, 
there. But yeah, Lando and Perez fighting, fighting, fighting still around the next turn. And then we have the sort of inciting incident of this race, which is Lando Norris going around the outside of turn... Is that five? I think it's four. They, four. Is it four? Minutes okay. Perez around Norris. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. Well, Norris turning the corner, Perez trying to go around the outside there, and uh, either, depending on how you feel about it, how you saw it, either Norris pushed him out into the gravel, or Perez attempted to overtake where there weren't no place to overtake. Uh, the Regardless of what you think, um, Perez basically... Kicks up a bunch of gravel. Lucky, actually, not to spin or get beached. Does a great job getting it back on the track, but loses a bunch of places. Yeah, he rejoins around uh, 10th place, and the stewards certainly have an opinion on this. They hand Norris a five-second penalty for forcing another driver off the track. Um, Which, you know, if if you haven't watched a lot of this, uh, a time penalty, if you come into the pits uh, should be served then before you actually change the tires. Uh, if you have no more pits, it just gets appended to your race time, uh, which may knock you down a place or two. Um, but yeah, lap 20, still talking about Norris. This is kind of a, a Norris-centric race, I would say. Um Norris is in second and uh, is losing time to Hamilton. Puts up a great defense from Hamilton, but Hamilton does end up steaming by with DRS uh, into turn four and has some nice words for Lando. He says, such a great driver, Lando, uh, over the radio. (laughs) Which, like, out of context, you could maybe see that as sarcasm. Um, But I think from Hamilton, it is is sincere, uh, which is kind of, I don't know, it's cool. You don't really see drivers complimenting each other very often it's it's nice but it also i was watching the post-race press conference and they were all sort of laughing a little bit about it because it it does kind of have an air of like superiority as well like (laughs) i am bestowing this 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 prayer onto a lesser driver um i'm sure he didn't mean to do that you know hamilton seems like a pretty thoughtful guy but you know also ego is involved in a lot of these guys so sure maybe there was a bit of that but um yeah, uh, I was basically, so Lando had put up a fantastic fight against like keeping Hamilton behind him for a couple of laps at that stage. And almost at the exact same time he got overtaken, the five second penalty got dropped. So his yeah. race turned from like this amazing drive into, you know, essentially right away putting McLaren back in its place, maybe, you know, behind the Mercedes, all, you know, normality has returned to the universe and also... Sorry, mate, when you come in for your pit, you're going to have to wait five seconds. Uh, do we want to talk about the incident or will we talk about them all in totality at the end? Because there was more. Um, You mean the the one he got the penalty for? Yeah. We can talk about it now. What do you, th- like, what do you think? Like, uh, I'm interested in what you guys think, whether or not it was a penalty or not. So, I mean, I think the key thing is, by and large, they call this penalty a lot during this race. And... It is unusual to see it called. And so I understand the position where this is an odd enforcement of the rule and it seems draconian. At the same time, like, I've talked about this before on this show. Like, overtaking is already hard enough in F1. This is a sport that has a crisis of good, interesting action on track. And... We're lucky that this year the cards have fallen that we've got a more competitive field, but like 
we weren't lucky. I would say we were not that lucky last year um, in terms of on-track action. And one of the reasons that overtaking is so hard, in addition to all the all of the aerodynamic issues that come into play, even closing the distance to make space for the atta- for, for the attack, uh, to position your car for the attack. Once you are once you are trying to execute an overtake in any place but where the DRS is at its most powerful, and you sort of, sort of zip past them, the leading driver is given so much leeway to fuck with you relentlessly as you go past. Because <laughs> they can always claim, I was just taking the racing line. If you think about it, what does a racing line usually look like? It looks like start outside, hit the apex, exit outside. Which means no matter how wide the corner is, there will always only be room enough for one car to go through. And as long as that's your as long as that's your rule, as long as the leading driver has the latitude to just like cut that angle and like close like close the wedge on um you know, on the driver trying to carry out the overtake, you are not only going to make it hard for people to st- make those moves stick, you're also going to make it really difficult for anyone to even think about making that move because it's such a low percentage play. So this is one of those things where I think, I think this is probably the direction F1 needs to go. And I feel better knowing that I'm on the opposite side of this from like Jeremy Clarkson or a lot of your more conservative <laughs> um commentators who love to do this like let them race you know these guys are right on the edge they you know there's there's one racing line you can't you can't adjudicate this stuff um yeah you can and this wasn't a quality lap like these guys aren't on the you see guys change their angle through a corner all the time like this isn't this isn't like lando on the ragged edge he couldn't possibly have turned in any harder that's bogus the other thing is this they're driving side by side in that corner Lando had already stuck him pretty far on the outside. Um, maybe Perez shouldn't have like tried to carry it off, but Perez has a pretty good case to go into that corner. They are side by side, and if anything, Perez has a slight like he's slightly ahead, right in Norris's eye line. And so we can say like, oh, you shouldn't shouldn't have tried that move, but it was a fair corner to contest. I think if you want good racing, you want to see people contest those corners. And that means you want to see drivers leave space to race side by side through corners or even multiple corners. You see it in other sports. The racing is awesome. F1, we tend to take this attitude that, oh, leading driver just can do whatever he wants. And then we wonder, whoa, it's another processional race. Wonder what's going on. This is part of it. And the way Hmm. you change that is you hand down some exemplary penalties question is going to be whether they stick with this or whether another you know steward next week uh next race has a completely different standard and we go back to race by race how we call these things gets very different yeah and it's it's so specific corner by corner as well um i i think i agree with uh, i i think i was closer to it being a racing incident during the race and the more i think about it um the more I think at at the very least they need to, at least they've been kind of consistent with this corner. Like when Hamilton pushed out, um, uh, why can't I remember the other Red Bull driver from last year? Uh, Albon. Albon. Sorry. When, when Alex Albon got pushed out on that corner, uh, last year, remember the, Oh, he's such a sore loser moment at the Mm -hmm. end of that race, which ironically led to Lando Norris getting his first podium in F1. Um, when that happened, it was almost the same situation. 
it was it was a a driver you know it was it was a Hamilton, well, I guess Hamilton, in that situation, was Hamilton on the inside overtaking? In any case, he forced him out wide, um, uh, trying to do it. No, yeah, he was trying to overtake, yeah. Um, and we talk a lot about who has the sort of, whose nose is ahead, just that little bit coming into these corners. It's not binary. There is a moment where both of you are basically in the hunt for this. And Lando obviously knew that. He was watching him down that DRS straight. They were watching each other for the previous couple of corners. They knew where they were fighting it. And he knew if he put that car where he was, there was no room. He was he was making the decision. You know, he was making him make a decision. He was famous. It was Ayrton Senna 101. You know what I mean? Like, just make force them to either crash with you or or back out. Um, this particular corner, Lando also knows if he lets him side by side, there is no way he is to, he is going to be in the lead in the next turn. Because the next That's turn, true. if you're on the inside, is a gimme. So I think the main reason Lando is forcing the issue here is because he knows he's lost the position if he lets him sit alongside him entering that. Because it's so much wider, it's downhill. Um, you could argue that there's less grip on this one because you're, you're, it's kind of like a real downhill right-hander corkscrew situation. Um, I guess it's a clockwise circuit, so maybe they've balanced the car that way, but it's still down. But he could have easily, you know, given the space if he wanted to. He just didn't want to. So I just... At least it's consistent. We saw more of this this race. We also saw people overtaking in smarter ways with Leclerc and Hamilton we'll talk about later. Um, so when I think about it more and more, I do think that Norris was chancing his arm doing it um, and he was battling well. But I wonder if in the driver briefing when they go turn by turn, did they say you need to leave space on this turn? Because they were kind of consistent with it. Uh, you know, if yeah. it was inconsistent, I'd complain, but they weren't. Hey, just FYI, uh, Will Buxton posted a good thread also. He actually ended up uh, talking to, I think, possibly the guy who was calling the race, the uh, possibly the steward. Um, I'm not sure. Derek, Derek Warwick uh, was who he chatted with. But they ended up having an exchange about like how they were uh, how they were applying the rules. And now, admittedly, Buxton in these interviews is often your company man, right? Like Buxton is yeah. deferential <laughs> to whoever he, whoever he like spoke to most recently. Um, <laughs> and so that is like probably the bias of this thread. But like there's a pretty good argument being made here that like in the rules, you have to give racing room. And this is kind of Warwick's uh, position. When the attacking car is substantially alongside, racing room has to be given. This is as true in corners as it is on straights. If the leading car edged the attacking car off track on a straight, it's a slam dog penalty. The same goes in corners. You can't just run people off. Um, and there are like there are rules in, in the uh, sporting code that spell this out. And so if anything, like this might be a case of a steward for once, not being super deferential to the driver position right. where like how many times in this race did you hear? I love good, hard racing. And often that is in the context of somebody basically terminating racing by just like yes, denying right. someone rule yeah. uh, space. <laughs> um, and so like, this might've been the rare case of somebody like, actually applying the rule as written and being like sorry you you can't do this and up and down the grid people are like what like are you like this <laughs> this is not this is not f1 uh, and it's totally it right been, but i i think probably we're better off if uh we we move toward this 
Yeah, because if we if we look at the sort of the the gut reaction is to say that oh, if they're adjudicating things like this, then you're denying us like you're denying these drivers the ability to race hard, and you're denying us the spectators the you know chance to watch that action. And you know I think that's what everyone feels like. It's what the commentators feel like. It's certainly what I felt like in the moment. But if you actually like stop for a second and think about it, Landon Norris stopped their fight. They could have been fighting like that for the next couple of cur- turns, for the next couple of laps. He in doing that action actually ruined racing <laughs> so like we but we don't often think about that we 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 see you know we 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 maybe pull the other way i certainly do anyway i don't want to talk for anyone else um so yeah uh, a, a shame and you know the, the first of many penalties we will see in this race yeah there may also be something to be said for doing something like that with the full knowledge that you may get a five second penalty and maybe it's worth it Maybe it's worth it to push Perez off the road, earn five seconds, but know that he's not going to be a problem anymore because if he gets ahead of you, that's going to be a hard car to pass for you. And then that puts you under pressure from everybody else behind. So that could be part of the the calculus too. Um, He does earn five second penalty and uh, serves it on lap 31 when he comes in for the pits. Uh, Botas just behind him follows Norris into the pits uh, and comes out ahead uh, after that penalty. Uh, the other McLaren, Ricardo, has made up some good places, running in seventh place on yeah. lap 41 after starting 13th. Um, Perez is just behind him, having lost all those positions after going off. Uh, and as he's closing up to Ricardo, Leclerc, in ninth place behind him, tries to move around the outside of turn four, <laughs> and now it's Perez's turn to push a car off there and earn himself a five-second penalty. <laughs> um, six laps later, Leclerc has another go at it. This time, he does the switchback at uh. turn four. So he goes to the outside and then cuts back in, which I love, um, and sets up a pass around the outside of turn six, which is a tough move. Um, Perez does the same thing here, causing Leclerc to go wide and earning himself another five second time penalty this was like this is like the butterfly effect or something like if lando (laughs) doesn't do this does perez do these two incidents and also like from especially what rob was talking about a second ago it does make me think about this in a little bit of a different light where i just said like around the outside of turn uh, four is not a place where you overtake around the outside of turn five is not the inside sure but around the outside of turn five that's not a place you overtake but like maybe in a different world these are places you overtake if we're not just driving the cars off the road right well especially like as as we talk the cars are big like there if we're going to like if you if you're going to narrow passing places to where can these cars effortlessly both have equally good racing lines through there there you you will be able to count on like one hand the number of good overtaking spaces <laughs> across all of f1 you know what i mean it's so it's yeah. yeah like i'm like this is this is my a better world is possible moment and it's about right. overtaking rule it's a, it's about racing room um and yeah like cuz i do think i don't know if the message was received versus people just being like I'll take that. I'll eat that five second penalty for the track position. <laughs> but it did seem as the race went on, like we were starting to see like, oh, if the, these, this circuit 
does have space for guys to race side by side, like cheek by jowl for lap after lap. It looked, there were times like late in the race with Alonzo and Russell, it almost looked like sports car racing. Yeah. And like, it's fun. That is good, exciting racing. It's way more exciting than just like watching an interval come down slowly and then level off at like three tenths and never move. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, like it, it did feel like as this race went on, uh, you did start seeing a little more of that racing room uh, being given. And yeah, some moves were hard to hard to make stick. Uh, some corners were angles were, were hard to maintain. But I think um, the taste I got of like, oh, if, if people are able to contest more corners, uh, even at a circuit like Austria, where historically people have not been super sanguine about its overtaking potential, um, maybe there's a lot of circuits that good racing is being left on the table. Yeah, indeed. Um, lap 48, Botas is told that Hamilton has some floor damage, uh, probably from running over the sausage curb at turn three. Not the ham and curb. Botas, ham curbs are fine. <laughs> right. Uh, Botas gets by into second place four laps later, um, and, but Norris has kept up with this front pack, and so one lap after that, he gets Hamilton uh, on the inside of turn six. For third place Super um, good. but speaking of leaving room and that leading to great battles uh while norris has been great to watch this race the other one that i'm really pulling for is russell who started in eighth uh, and on lap 68 is running just inside the points in 10th he puts up a stellar defense uh, against uh, fernando alonso um who's just behind him, but eventually Lando, uh, sorry, Alonzo does get by him with, with DRS into turn four, but throughout, like for the past 10 or 15 laps, um, they have been going at it. And F1 has a good YouTube video dedicated to this battle um, that shows a lot of stuff that wasn't shown on the broadcast, which I will link in the show notes. Awesome. Uh, it just shows how like when, when drivers respect each other, what it can look like. And also just how, it shows how drivers put together overtakes over the course of many laps. So I, I highly recommend checking that out. Yeah, in, a, in the post-race interviews, um, Russell said if he could have picked any driver, he didn't want him behind him in that situation. It was <laughs> Alonso, Fernando, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. Just makes total sense. It's like he'll get it done. Eventually, he'll get it done. If, if uh, and, and the tires, it was great to see over the course of that 50 minutes that tires didn't end up being the reason either of them didn't make it. I don't think so anyway. I haven't I guess I haven't seen the telemetry, but I think it looks like it was just pure racing. A bit it did feel like it felt like it was the tires insofar as the problem Russell had was that his tires were had already seen the best of them. He went to that one stop strategy uh really early on after having kind of a rough lap one, uh where he ended up stuck on the inside through I think turn three and everyone caught the train and he was out in uh like no man's land and so like he went to this one-stop strategy uh and it worked really well he got some really nice overtakes uh while people were in the pits but it did kind of feel like there at the end he'd, he'd gotten the best of the tires the good of the tires and was increasingly down to the dregs of those tires <laughs> and so it was uh it, it did just feel like Alonzo knew time was on his side and uh, and by making forcing Russell to like drive the wheels even further off that machine. It did seem like he was he was further setting up that eventual overtake because it was just lap after lap of Russell having to defend 
new new lines and new places um and yeah it just it just started to feel like he he was having to almost like deploy telepathy to figure out where like alonzo was going to strike next because the car just couldn't was requiring him to commit earlier and earlier uh to to anything it was such a it was such a good duel um it was it's painful to see russell and matt williams coming so close to uh to, to getting those points, but um, it was probably some of the best racing of the weekend. Yeah, no, wasn't totally it agree. wasn't as good as Vettel and Raikkonen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> uh, the 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 race has a good um, uh, handful of quotes here. Uh, Alonso admitted afterwards that he was quote hoping it would be anyone but Russell. Oh, funny! Uh, That's and amazing. That he felt a little bit sad that the battle would be with Russell, knowing what losing tenth would mean to him. Uh, but Russell says he uh, was not that disheartened in the end, admitting that Alonzo and Alpine were simply faster. Quote, I've been in F1 for three years now, but that was the first time I really battled with anybody. Uh, I had a couple of overtakes, but have never had a wheel-to-wheel battle. Please that Bearing I held my Latifi own. Latifi and Kubica just, <laughs> right? just shoveling dirt onto those that's, open graves. That's also, like, not right. Like, do you remember the fight he had with Bottas when he did that crazy overtake? And He was in a Mercedes. Yeah. Oh, did he say in Williams? Uh, I, I maybe implied he did. here. He said, I don't yeah. know. No, but hold on. Yeah, um, when he was trying to overtake Bottas at Imola, uh, that was... I guess I guess you could say the battle had no sooner started than it ended in a shower of car parts. So maybe that's technically true. Oh, yeah. I, didn't like, think I don't about know, that. George. I was talking about last year when he overtook Bottas around the outside of uh, the second race in Bahrain, right? Yeah. Right. On the fast. Maybe he yeah, that. maybe he didn't consider that a battle at all either. I've had some <laughs> overtakes, you know, that I can barely remember. Funny. Uh but he said, Yeah, pleased I held my own, didn't do anything crazy or silly, uh, and for what it was worth, it was quite good fun. Quite good fun. I saw Alfa Romeo were queried about their pace versus the Williams. They're like, we've still got a gr- we've, we've still got a better car than Williams, but Williams has Russell. Um, and so it's a very, I'm telling you, Russell's in the weirdest place, one of the weirdest places I've ever seen in a driver, where like his reputation appears to be nearly sterling outside of those few high profile lapses. Um. He is doing things that people with that car. He's doing things with that car that people find miraculous, and I don't know where his seat's supposed to be because we're gonna get to we get to this. But like, it is not clear that a succession is underway at Mercedes, and I don't know how many people are gonna be stoked to have George show up, be the number two driver at any of their teams. There's a lot of guys of his generation who are now established at teams who I do not think are gonna be like fuck yes. Let's bring George in and turn this into a battle for uh, for like uh, primacy every single turn, every single race. Um, So it's weird. Like, I don't know where this guy's going to go. He seems to be the best driver that's unemployable. (laughs) Yeah. and, And specifically because he's so good. Uh, and, and no one else wants to, to blow up their existing team dynamic. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, another good mover in this race was Carlos Sainz, who started 10th uh, and went long on his first set of tires, putting himself in a good position to battle uh, at the end. And on the final lap, he makes a clinical pass on Daniel Ricciardo for sixth place. Uh, but in the end, Verstappen comes home in first. Uh, and while there was some hope that Norris would be able to catch Botas for second, uh, that was not to be. Um, but as you mentioned, Danny, as Verstappen crosses the line, there is a yellow flag. 
uh, and we get a replay of Vettel and Raikkonen in, uh, frankly, a, a weird incident. Yeah. yeah. Uh, take I, us through that, Danny. Fucking God. Okay, so the incident where we're talking about not having enough space or in the outside of turn four, which apparently was the place to buy your ticket <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, exiting the turn, Vettel is ahead on the inside. Uh, and I mean on the inside. He is on the right side of the center line of this turn. And Raikkonen's on the outside. And Raikkonen just turns into him like i tried to look at it was vettel in the wrong place the, well, no. he's ahead first of all so he can be wherever he wants to be but also like did he take a weird angle no it's just like right and just like just collects him and they both <laughs> fly off into the gravel it was so strange what was it he looked, doing it, yeah it looked like he did not expect him to be there and was just not paying attention maybe he couldn't uh, like, see yeah he was I, looking at his dashboard or something Oh no! Is it was it happening again? He pressed the wrong button, and he, he that happened. That's how he crashed last What's time. What's right? the opposite of magic? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a downhill right-hander, so his eyes should have been looking down and to the right. Like Vettel was basically on the inside of that tier, and it's where he, you know I know the eye line's really tricky in these cars, but like if ever there was an advantageous eye line, it was then. He was it was a right, you know. So but such a strange crash. Vettel looked, yeah, they. It's just bizarre, especially they both from like said a, on the radio. Don't know what happened. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> boah. I just say boah. Well, that yeah. Um, a weird bit of fallout from that is that you know the the yellow flags were waved, and eight drivers came under investigation for not slowing oh, for kidding. those yellow flags. Two were handed penalties. Latifi and Mazepin. Um, were given 10-second stop-go penalties, but because it was the last lap of the race, these were just converted to 30-second penalties. Um, <laughs> but for all of them? <laughs> look, uh, just for the two. Oh, okay. Rush is uh, on Netflix. A lot of these guys got super, like, hype before the race. They're, like, <laughs> that part where, uh, you know, where he's saying, when I see when I see a driver have an accident, I put my foot down because I know everyone else is going to be lifting. And everyone's just like, I'm going to bring that to uh, my, my Grand Prix this weekend. And uh, they all got penalties. Yeah. Kimi Räikkönen was also handed a um, drive-through penalty, which, again, last lap, and he's crashed out. That turned into a 20-second penalty. Um, I don't know that it had so much impact on the race because these guys were in the back of the field. Um, but they gave we'll run down how everybody <laughs> they finished. A, they gave him a drive-through. His car was broken. That's so funny. Yeah. That's so silly. Uh, Max Verstappen on top, followed by Valtteri Bottas and Lando Norris rounding out the podium behind them. Lewis Hamilton in his uh, damaged car came home in fourth, followed by Carlos Sainz in fifth. Sergio Perez in sixth, Daniel Ricciardo in seventh, Charles Leclerc in eighth, Pierre Gasly in ninth, and Fernando Alonso in tenth. A lot of really good drives in this race. Um, maybe not as exciting as other races have been to watch, but like some some real some real nice racecraft. George Russell in eleventh, Yuki Tsunoda comes home twelfth, followed by Stroll, Giovinazzi, and Raikkonen in fifteenth. Nicholas Latifi gets sixteenth, followed by Vettel, Schumacher and Mazepin, and then Ocon was not classified after his DNF. Mm. And that is the Austrian Grand Prix. That was it. And the end of our, uh, the third race of our triple header. Ah. So we get, to, we get a chance to breathe here. Ah. And talk about some news. 
Let's talk about races that won't be happening later in the year. Well, uh, sure. We get to that. Well, should I should I get that one out of the way? Maybe. Uh, well, while we're on the subject of, of teammates and drivers and stuff, Hamilton has just signed a two-year contract with Mercedes, uh, extending his run there, which, frankly, was maybe a little surprising to me. Um, a two-year... I thought we were going year to year, and, frankly, I didn't know if it was a given that 2022, with the new cars and everything, that Hamilton would want to be a part of. Um, and certainly not for two years, but... Maybe the fact that Verstappen is ahead in the championship uh, is giving Lewis enough um, of a reason to chase that eighth championship himself. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I also wasn't sure what he would do. It did seem like the retirement talk did fade, so I'm not surprised he signed an extension. Uh, I guess two years makes a bit of sense insofar as like, we're in this generational turnover. Like, can you at least, like, at the very least, let's see this through? Um, rather than, like, get in a new car for one year, decide you don't like it, and then, like, kind of bail on the technical development of the uh, of the new generation. Um, so I guess there's some of that. But, I, but, yeah, I kind of wondered as well if this was a little bit more, like, after a long time of really Hamilton being in competition with himself and his own legacy... Uh, suddenly, not just like struggling to keep pace, but actually possibly watching the Red Bulls disappear into the distance, whether he's starting to get into that thing where it's like, oh, I can't go out like that. Now, <laughs> if you watch any sport, the number of times someone is like, I can't go out like that and begins to author a dismal closing <laughs> chapter in their career is pretty high. Uh, so, like, boy, a lot riding on Mercedes' technical development uh, from here because Hamilton is uh, staking his, uh, like, twilight of his career on, on that team being able to uh, come out with a killer car. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the future... The near yes. future. Unsur- unsurprisingly, if uh, there was a couple of races that later in the year we were a little bit cautious about because of when in the year they were happening and because of whether or not COVID would kick up and also whether or not they were on an island. And of course, the sort of the, the, the one exposed perhaps race of the year, uh, most exposed, has in fact been cancelled. The Australian Grand Prix will not go ahead for the second year in a row it already missed its sort of uh, debut at the start of the year because of COVID-19 it usually is the opening race of the season Uh, they put it to later in the year it was supposed to happen uh, around November uh, 21st um, and uh, to try and hope hopefully see if the uh, Victorian uh, government could could pull it together by then Um, but you know, I had a lot of angry Aussies in my replies last night when I saw this breaking news and a lot of people disappointed with the uh, prime minister in that regard. You know, there's been a lot of coverage in there about the sort of the twin fates of New Zealand and Australia and the different sort of politicians in charge there. And perhaps how 
uh, the Aussies have had a bit of a rough go of it um, as a result of policy. But in any case, uh, the federal government is taken from racefans.net. The federal government recently announced a halving of the number of international travels permitted to the company, which presented a significant obstacle to the race going ahead. Uh, MotoGP's race at the Phillip Island circuit in October has also been cancelled. F1's rescheduled race was due to be the 21st round of its calendar. Uh, this, of course, being a 23-year race. They're still hoping. Uh, Formula 1 said in a statement it intends to arrange a replacement. While it is disappointing we won't be racing in Australia this season, we are confident to deliver a 23-race season in 2021 and have a number of options uh, to take forward to replace um, the place left vacant by the Australian Grand Prix, um, said the champion. Is one of them Sepang? yeah give me malaysia yeah so that literally that's what i had when malaysia back of my head as well as for goodness sake like let's we already have the two i wanted every year bring back turkey bring back malaysia we're halfway there uh we will be working through the details of those options in the coming weeks and provide for an update once those discussions are concluded i suspect they have one in the pocket i am fearful that this will be a double header uh, because it might be easier to do that somewhere it could be a double header in austin if we're still getting the american race on Mm. um i don't suspect at this stage that many of the teams will be so interested in figuring out all that logistical stuff again i'm with you though malaysia i missed the corkscrew let's get it done all right kind of a light news week um but before we get it to emails, I'll run down the driver and team standings here. Some interesting moves. Max Verstappen still on top. Lewis Hamilton still behind uh, with uh, 182 and 150 points, respectively. Sergio Perez is in third uh, with 104 points to Lando Norris's 101. That is an exciting battle. Uh, Valtteri Bottas, uh, maybe a little further outside of that third place battle than he would like. In fifth place with 92 points, then a bit of a jump down to Charles Leclerc in sixth with 62, and his teammate Carlos Sainz with 60. That is very close. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo's in eighth with 40. Pierre Gasly's got 39, and Sebastian Vettel is in 10th place with 30 points. Fernando Alonso in 11th with 20. Lance Stroll has 14. Esteban Ocon has 12. Yuki Tsunoda has nine. And then we're tied in 15th place with Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi. Russell, Schumacher, Mazepin, and Latifi behind with zero points. Red Bull is on top of the constructor standings with 286 points to Mercedes's 242. McLaren is in a uh, reasonably solid third place right now with 141 points to Ferrari's 122. Alpha Tauri is in fifth with 48 points. Aston Martin's got 44. Alpine with 32 then we've got Alfa Romeo with two points and Williams and Haas with zero. In our fantasy league, fantasy, uh, we have <laughs> uh, from the Austria race, the top three uh, uh, in third from what is this? Poland, Chelsea, Lubsko in Canada. Sergi, oh no, not like this Albon could do it better. Ooh, shots fired. And from United States, such a great driver, Lando Lewis Hamilton. (laughs) Wow, thanks. I can't believe Lewis is in our our league. That's rad. 
Uh, in the overall leaderboards, however, tied for third, we have uh, from America, Drive to Survive, Sunoda Drift, and for also from America, Full Bull in third place. From second, uh, second place from the United States, The Real Housewives of Monaco, and of course, holding it down in first place from Canada, Ben Van Villeneuve. Thanks everyone for playing. Yeah, it continues. The Fantasy League continues in... Uh, in the uh in the show notes if you'd like to join um all right should we take it to some emails let's do it shift f1 podcast at gmail.com <clears throat> or f1.cool slash emails that is obviously the most popular and coolest way to do this uh i'm gonna get this first question a couple of people asking about this but this one's from Ara. they ask after lando's penalty points this race getting him to 10 and close to a race ban i was curious as to the incidents that caused the others but couldn't find it being fairly new to following the sport i don't know where to go for this kind of thing so i was wondering if you could recommend some good stats slash info websites for f1 especially beginner friendly ones and queryable ones um i had a similar problem trying to hunt this down you can find lots of websites that have the penalty points but ones that actually have a breakdown of the incidents i literally could not find i found bunches of uh, news articles and stuff that were sort of doing as and when updates um but due to the sort of um cyclical nature of the penalty points the fact that they sort of disappear after 12 months and not like within the race year which it seems like all f1 stuff is is obviously timetabled that way um i found it super hard so i do have a, an article here from crash.net that will update everyone on the penalty points but i know drew you're a big stat head was there any sites or, or things that you used in general that help with this stuff no so i don't know one that keeps like a um a running tally that you can just go to <clears throat> i would love to like set one of those up but the only the, like only reliable place that I know of to get this information is from the FIA, which will release like PDFs of like, you know, incidents um, that sometimes state how many points a driver has. But generally, it'll just be like Lando Norris got two more penalty points on his license. Um, yeah, the, so the, it's, it's, it's tricky. You do have to basically wait until like race fans or was this crash.net come out with their article here's how many everyone has yeah if, if anyone I'm sure else they have their own but they want to you know they make an article out of it so they don't want to release it right if anyone else um or wants to see this um the or in relation to lando specifically one of the questions during the post-race conference did actually the the um person who asked the question actually um listed out all of lando's penalties and where they'd happened and the thing that struck me about i can't remember where they what they were exactly now but um they were all like pretty innocuous things. It was like it was like two points here for this, two points here for this. It was the type of thing where, really, like if he gets a couple of more, if he gets two more, um, he will be, uh, he will basically you you are banned a from race a race. Band? Yeah, you got a race yeah. ban. Um, the good news He's for only him two is, away. Wow. But the good news for him is that two points he picked up at the twenty twenty Styrian Grand Prix will be wiped off by the time we get to Silverstone. So he'll ah. be back down to eight. Um, but just so you know, the current situation in F1 is that Landon Norris is leading the pack with 10 penalty points. Sergio Perez in second with eight. Nicholas Latifi's got six in third. Great job. Well, he's joined third, actually, with Sebastian Vettel, Kimi Raikkonen, and George Russell. Then we have Nikita Mazepin making some great progress as a rookie in his penalty points with five. Antonio Giovinazzi with five, although perhaps under pressure from uh 
from his teammate, uh, given his uh, uh, delight in crashing into Sebastian Vettel. But I have to wait and see. Um, we had Lance Stroll with four. So was Yuki Tsunoda. Charles Leclerc with three. <clears throat> Sorry, you could have argued last week he could have gotten 12 points, but just crashing into everyone. But he's only got three. Bottas has two. Hamilton has two. Ocon, Ricardo, Sainz, and Gasly have one. With Max Verstappen, Mick Schumacher, and Fernando Alonso with the goose egg. All right. That's uh, way more penalty points out there than I would have expected. Right. Uh, do you want to take this next one, Drew, from somebody who's probably sad about the <laughs> cancelled race? Uh, yes, it's, this is from Chloe in Melbourne, Australia. I'm a newer F1 fan and have a question about slipstreams versus dirty air. They both seem to happen when one driver is behind another, but I can never tell what makes it dirty air and therefore a disadvantage to the driver behind and when it's considered a slipstream. Any clues on what I should look for? Um, First of all, uh, the F1 YouTube creator Chainbear has an excellent... um, explainer video about this with a uh, an easy to grasp animation that i will link in the show notes um my understanding is that it's 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 all come it's all the same air that we're talking about here but it's just it's really kind of the context or and where your car is so if you are if you're close up behind a car like less than a car length you're getting a pretty strong slipstream and you can kind of see this when they're like about a second away and it looks like they're they're kind of um they're not really moving up very closely they're not yet in the slipstream but if you if you follow out of a corner right behind somebody you can see the slingshot happen uh the f1 youtube channel has a lot of good onboard videos uh for for looking at stuff like this um but if you're not close that that sort of uh that void right behind the car closes and you just get turbulent air behind it and when you have that turbulent air it's not smoothly flowing across your aerodynamics and pushing your car into the ground um and giving you grip so uh yeah does that i I feel like did i explain that right Anything to add, you guys? No, it's, I think if you wanted a good example visually of it, uh, obviously it's hard on DRS traits because that's DRS doing a lot of that. Um, right. But uh, I think in this past race, if you watch the highlights, the move Leclerc did around the outside of turn five on Perez before he got forced wide, um, there was a pretty strong slipstream right there as they were exiting four into five, um, which you can see. So that's a pretty good uh, version of it. But yeah, I'm with you. It's It's a weird... You know, it's, it is. It, it's both, but it just depends on how yeah. far you are and all that stuff. Yeah, it, it it is hard to pick out too. But sometimes you will see, like going into a high speed turn, um, or coming out from behind another car, maybe to try the the an overtake on the outside. You'll see them as soon as they come out from behind the car in front. The driver will have to like make a correction on their wheel, and that's that's a, a pretty good indicator of of when they come out from behind the car and into that. A new airstream um rob do you want to take this question from dimitri yeah 
Dimitri writes, true to his nature of being the world's worst motivator, Gunther Steiner recently gifted Nikita Mazepin an Inception-style spinning top and presented it to him in a video posted on Mazepin's own infamous Instagram account. It's a very awkward and kind of embarrassing video for Mazepin. He's a rookie driver and his own team boss is making fun of his inability to drive the car. Very apropos to the rules of Inception, Mazepin gives the top a try and it just falls down. Which I guess means he's stuck in the cold, hard reality of working with Gunther. <laughs> and uh, Dimitri linked to the video. I don't know if you guys saw it going around. But yeah, it's a little Instagram video uh, with Gunther presenting uh, Mazepin with a fancy box containing a, uh, yeah, the, the Inception top uh, wrapped in a cloth um, with the legend on it, uh, Spin to Win, and the Haas logo. So... <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, I actually think Gunther and Haas are doing extremely right by Mazepin. And this is, and, and maybe too much so, like if you don't, if you're kind of not sold on this guy and what he's about. Um, Haas is really trying hard to rehabilitate his image. And the first move in this campaign was this uh, Mazaspin video, which was meant to show, and, and Steiner, I think, made interview comments to this effect, where, like, Mazepin, uh, you know, people don't really know him, and they don't know what, like, a warm, nice kid he is, uh, and this video was a chance to show, like, his, his lighter side. Uh, you might have also seen a video where David Croft asks him about what he thinks of a joke that Croft's kid made about... Um, it was another Mazelspin joke. and I remember. He did it during, I think it was during practice last week or something. Yeah. yeah. It was like a sort of schoolyard type joke. I forget the joke, but it was it one of those It wasn't very memorable. Sort of, uh, but no. Ma- Mazepin, uh was very good natured about it. He said, oh, it's a mega joke. I love it. It's very funny. And then just sort of spoke frankly about uh, the Haas car is not easy to drive. And it's been a very challenging year. Um, Haas also posted a video that I found pretty cringe uh, of Nikita going around the Haas garage fist bumping every single person he can find. Uh, And the message that video is like, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, saying thank you is is, you know, the the motivation people need. That's funny because there was that incident back, was it race two this year, where Schumacher went and thanked everyone after the race and Mazepin didn't. So I wonder if that's what they were trying to rehabilitate and there. And people on Instagram definitely commented that, like, see, this was the bad vibes version of the Schumacher video because the Schumacher video right. was, like, really natural and heartfelt and, like, just read as a sort of uh, candid moment, whereas the Mazepin moment is not that uh it's It's the rich energy version (laughs) yeah and so the thing is i think i think there's a few things here haas have been dealt a tough hand they have they need the money from the sponsor who is nikita's dad um they're stuck with this guy he torched his reputation before he came in the door and became a widely reviled character on the F1 grid. Um, and then he has sucked, basically, as a driver. Um, not as much lately, uh, but he had a steep learning curve that he did not negotiate particularly well. And he's had a few edgy on-track incidents uh, with his teammate. Haas are laboring mightily to make this guy seem warm and likable 
and and to make the story of Haas being a team that's basically up a river without a paddle into kind of a charming uh, story of people working mm-hmm. against the odds and uh, you know sticking with it. I think for all my issues with Steiner um, and the way he interacts with drivers, in some cases, I honestly think that Mazepin probably couldn't have gotten a more protective environment and they are trying their best to uh, at least salvage his reputation and soften it so that he can get something of a uh, fresh, uh, you know, clean slate in F1, Um, which maybe in time he will deserve. But right now Mm -hmm. I think there's still a lot of reason to be skeptical of him. And uh, I think it makes a lot of this Haas stuff come across as corny. Yeah, it's a good good analysis of it. Actually, I hadn't considered a lot of that stuff—the sort of whitewashing almost of uh, of his opinion, of his uh, perception, or the way we perceive him. Uh, finally, I don't think he deserves it. I, I totally understand that Haas needs to do this because I think if they want to attract more sponsors, they need to to have everyone forget yeah. who Nikita Mazepin is. Um, but I'm not going to. If you <laughs> if you're just joining us, he got into that hot water before he even joined or before the season even started because he posted a video to his personal Instagram of him groping a woman. So I don't think I am ever going to um, be charmed by whatever Gunther Steiner does. Um, And I don't think uh, the viewers should either. It's, it sucks that it seems like we are stuck with him. um, But that doesn't mean we have to like it. Yeah, I, I, he's also the son of a you know petrochemical oligarch in Russia, so I'm just inst- instantly distrustful <laughs> yep. of a start point. But uh, yeah, whatever. He's uh, he's just going to spin around the back of the pack for a year, and we'll we'll see if he gets a seat anywhere else at the end of all this nonsense. But um, yeah, I don't know. Time will have to tell, I guess. Uh, briefly, I'll take this one from Pasco in the Discord. Hello, race fans. Igora Drive, which of course is the new Russian Grand Prix we talked about two weeks ago, I think, where it was announced at Sochi is. Uh, Splitsville. Uh, Gore Drive is a pretty nothing track for the first two sectors, although comparing it with Sochi, uh, Sochi makes it look like Spa, but the last sector is a banger. The lap finishes off with a downhill straight into a hairpin, followed by the corners, which I can only describe as an uphill corkscrew. Drew, hmm. I'll send you this link uh, for the show notes. Um, it's a drive in a, in a in a supercar or something. It's it's not a you know F one pace obviously, but yeah, it's a it's kind of a bit of a long track. I'd say medium to long. Um, like you said, first two sectors are, you know, maybe not. I'd love to see F one cars around them, but the the end of it, the ending is pretty weird it's like it's a downhill straight and then yeah like a like a like a left-hander right-hander uphill like it looks like it might be fun it looks like some of the um the like the first sector the end of the first sector in portugal where you have a lot of that like cresting hills and not knowing where the turns are kind of thing um so yeah looks neat hmm yes it's uh narrower than i thought it's kind of like uh yeah it, it looks like the width of um monza or something well, that I don't know. It could just great be for overtaking. <laughs> yeah, right. I have a question, real quick, Danny. Maybe you see this more in football, but the orange smoke. There oh, was yeah. so much of it. I did start to wonder, like, what's it like being in the stands when people are lighting those flares and like billows of that orange smoke are going? Like, is that entirely yeah. like cool for people who are in the stands? Like, just inhaling clouds of uh, I, I used to squ- 
I used to squint because of my contact lenses. That was probably the only thing. It's way more, ha- it happens a lot more in Europe than it does in the UK. It'll happen at European Cup games if I was in London for one of those. MotoGP like. fans love it. Yeah. It's, well, it's super Italian, right? It's very like Serie A. Like if you go watch a Serie A game, an Italian football game, like they're mad for it. Uh, Eastern Europe, you get some in the Bundesliga, maybe not so much in La Liga, I feel like, or the Premier League, because they are like, you know, you're not allowed to do them. But like, uh, yeah, you'll have like uh, traveling fans will often. We used to play Olympiakos, which is a Greek team, in case <laughs> they don't say Greek enough. And uh, we used to play them all the time in uh, in the European Cup. We'd always seem to get them. And I, the tickets I always got were near the away stand, so they'd always, um, they'd usually have them. But yeah, I mean, yeah, they can ob- obscure your view, especially but in that like choking clouds of like smog. No, I don't, I don't, I never had that sense because it's just mixed with everything else it's yeah. like it's so colorful that makes it look like it's yeah. more than it is maybe okay but i used, definitely used to close my eyes for because you know if my contacts were dried up like that then i i'd struggle to get home so <laughs> especially after a couple of pints yeah because there were just a couple of points in this race i think like the first lap because the bunch of old lit theirs off like there's just a haze of like orange gray smoke over the track and it was like a battle had just ended and i was like boy this is uh it's quite the little like local atmospheric conditions uh that are being created by those uh dutch fans some people just like live that vape life you know what i mean <laughs> ripping fat cotton in the in the stands <laughs> Orange uh, cotton, it always baby. makes me think of it always makes me think of the rock like, yeah, like, it's just a ton of Nicholas Cage's <laughs> waving off. The as long as they're not throwing them on the track, like in football, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> Great. Uh, all right. Thanks, everyone, for the emails. Again, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. You can also hit us up on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. I am at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world? It's race around the world. Yeah. The Goodwood Festival of Speed mm. is this weekend. Um, I really only know this from uh, YouTube videos that circulate <laughs> into my algorithm of the um, <laughs> the hill climb that they do, which is it's cool. It's like this this little track um, somewhere in the uk where uh it's it, there's a lot of hay bales but they basically take it's like this grab bag of all kinds of weird any kind of motorsport vehicles um right. i think they're all cars i don't think it's any motorcycles but anyway uh like i've seen big old trucks i've seen formula e cars a lot of old f1 cars um it's just like this this weird uh, exhibition of cars climbing hills. Um, it's cool if you if you I think they may stream it on YouTube, um, but uh, yeah, if, if you catch that, it's kind of fun. Uh, we also have the Camping World Trucks at Knoxville Raceway uh, in Knoxville, Iowa, for the Corn Belt One Hundred and Fifty, presented by Premier Chevy Dealers. Which is just the most NASCAR thing. Corn belt, yeah, that's strong. That's like, is that a, is that a, is that a belt made of like sweet corn, like corn on the cob corn, or is it like, like a John like Davis? It's like a belt, belt with yeah. those those holsters, like for your BlackBerry, but it's corn. Okay, corn is the uh, new hemp. Is is that what it is? I think. <laughs> yes. Uh, Formula E is in New York. Is that right? 
uh, for the uh, the New York E Prize one and two on a Brooklyn street circuit. Yeah. Uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series is in Hampton, Georgia, for the Credit Karma Money Two Fifty. Hmm. Um. <laughs> That raises credit karma money, and it doesn't even know it. <laughs> uh, supercars, they are still going down in Australia. In Townsville, one of my favorite place names on earth. In region, NTI, region, region. <laughs> country, country. In, uh, for the NTI Townsville 500, uh, race one and two. And we got NASCAR. They're wow. also in... Hot Lana. Oh. No one no one actually calls it Hot Lana, I'm told. Uh for the Quaker State 400 presented by Walmart. Quaker State. Where's Quaker State? The Mormons got Utah. Where's Quaker State? I think it's Pennsylvania. It's okay. That's where they got the oats. Hey, did you hear about this good wood across the pond? Maybe we should check that out. Uh and that's that's our show. That's it. Uh, we will, yeah, we'll have a a pre race show next week. Imagine that. I know. It's uh, been we a won't have while. a race to talk about. Yeah, uh, but we got... will be talking about the the sprint race. That's coming up. Oh, so I'm very right. excited to see that. That's on this one. I forgot. I do. Yes. Do you think they'll cram in a? Is it too late to cram in a second Silverstone? Because they do have a gap between. The British Grand Prix and the Hungarian Grand Prix, which is the 1st of August. We have another gap week. Hmm. Uh, or do we come hmm. back during the summer gap? Because then we have a three-week gap until Spa. So enjoy that. It's a good thing we have three races in a row because it's kind of slim pickings for the next, uh, you know, it's three races between now and the start of September. <laughs> so. Well, France was good this year, so all bets are off. That's, That's true. true. Yeah. Brands Hatch. Let's do that. Let's get back. I'm sure these yeah. cars can fit around that track. <laughs> uh, final thoughts, Danny? Uh, we're set up for a crazy year. Like we, like crazy year confirmed. It wasn't sure there for a little while, but those. I mean, it is their track. It's Red Bull's track. They bought it. They 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 practice there. They do their stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, we're we're definitely set up for a battle this year, regardless. Um, yeah, all over the place. Even the McLarens are in the mix. What's going on? Yeah. Rob, final thoughts. Oh, just uh, cannot wait for the crypto.com F1 sprint race uh, to kick <laughs> us off. Um, good luck on your carbon negative pledge, crypto.com. Hope you make it by 2023. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.